Hey everybody, how's it going? In today's podcast, I'm going to offer you a big, giant kiss. That's spelled K-I-S. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. So I sure hope you enjoyed uh, the opening and that big giant kiss, the KIS. So obviously, KIS stands for keep it simple. And I'm not going to put the second S in there. You can always, a lot of people add that other S, and um, but I'm not going to keep that. I'm going to keep this nice and polite, but let's keep it simple. So before we dive into the in-depth interview that you're about to listen to, this was a podcast episode that uh, that I was a guest appearance on, that I jumped onto the Black and White podcast with Gary McGowan and Sir Colin Campbell. So guys, first of all, Gary and Colin, if you're listening to this, um, thank you very much. That was a fun, fun podcast. It was it was actually a live broadcast that uh, turned into a podcast. So, so guys, if you've been following along on my channel, you've you know I'm a big fan of multipurposing and using things for multi modalities of communication and distribution of your message. And that's what we did on this podcast. Gary and Colin set it up as a live broadcast. They broadcast it out to their Facebook groups. Then they turned it into a podcast and then distribute it out through audio. So people listen to things on different levels. People listen to things on multiple different devices. People consume their information and content uh, on different platforms. So the more platforms you can put your message out, the greater. So first of all, Gary and Colin just wanted to thank you. That was a fun podcast. They had special effects and they had some rapid fire questions and they had uh, some really interesting things. They kept the conversation very lively and very interesting. But the main thing I wanted to share with you in today's opening was, you know, sometimes um, when we keep sharing the same message, when we keep, um, you know, getting what I call sometimes our stump speech, our stump presentation. And, and for any of you, if you're not familiar with the term stump speech, is it's an old term way back in the day. You know, it's, I think it comes back from politicians time frame that is there a talk? Is there a speech that you could stand up on a stump, you know, a cut tree and there's a stump there, you can stand up on that stump and you have an audience around. Can you deliver your stump speech to a group of people? Now, I've been honing in on this, you know, hour to an hour and a half, quote unquote, stump speech. Um, but here's the thing is sometimes when you deliver the speech so many times yourself, not that you get bored, but you just challenge yourself to try to do it better. Challenge yourself to try to go deeper. Challenge yourself to do it better. Challenge yourself to make it more easily understood. And that's what I'm going to say about this one that I really pushed myself to keeping it simple. I pushed myself to keeping the message and the delivery of some of the same questions that you hear on a lot of different podcasts. I pushed myself to simplify the message. I pushed myself to make it more relatable and more understandable for everybody. And one of the things you're going to find in here, and this is one that it's funny, I haven't been using this for a while, but I dusted it off for this one, is um, I shared with probably the simplest way that I know how to describe describe a joint venture. 
the simplest way? How do you communicate this message to other people? And it just so reminded me when after I did it and I was listening to this before bringing this out to you that I do need to simplify it. It really comes down to most important when you're having a communication with another person, it comes down to the understanding But more important than the understanding is that they take action and they move and they make a change and a transformation based upon what you said. Now, here's the quick story. So I was having a conversation with some potential money partners um, a couple weeks ago. And when they fill out their online form and they fill out their consultation requests, I get some background, I get some information. And they were savvy business owners. They were very savvy investors. They were savvy real estate investors. They had actually owned property. I think they owned like four or five places. And they've built out multiple, multiple businesses. And sometimes we take it for granted of the things that we know, you know, the books we've read as real estate investors, the seminars we've gone to, the webinars we've attended. Sometimes we normalize everything we know that we think everybody knows the same thing, right? Because we're all in the same circles. They follow the same Facebook groups, but everybody's different. Everybody is completely unique and completely different. So I actually dusted off the simplest way to describe a joint venture relationship for these partners, potential partners that I had a conversation with last week. And maybe I'll keep you posted on how that progresses. But here's the the message is they understood and they said, you know what? I get that. And it was just really appropriate timing because I used the analogy around back to school time and I'm not going to give it away. You have to listen to the entire podcast, and especially right to the very end. I have a very special message there for you guys as well. But what I did on this one, or what I attempted to do, was to keep this one conversational, to keep this one extremely simple, and to keep it from um, getting too in-depth and into the weeds. And I just wanted to make sure that everybody understood that. Okay, guys. So with all that being said, that's the what I just wanted to just put out front for you. We're recording this one, or it's been recorded a while ago, but we're releasing this one in September, September 2021. And as you know, this is probably the back to school time and a lot of things change. This is one of those time frames of the year where people are starting to get off holiday and cottage and lake mode, and they're now starting to get back into routines. The oven is probably being turned on for the first time. The furnace is maybe being turned on. The hoodies have been broken out for this. So here's the messages. People are probably more open to having some more conversations about futures, financial futures, real estate investing, partnering with you. Okay, guys, with all that being said, uh, this is going to be a fantastic conversation. Sure. Hope you enjoy it. And like I said before, make sure you stick around right to the very end. And I wanted to share a big giant thank you to Sir Colin Campbell and Mr. Gary McGowan. Let's get after it. Good afternoon, good afternoon. It's your host, Sir Colin Campbell, with Gary A. McGowan. And you're tuned into the Not So Black or White Real Estate Podcast. We have a special guest in the podcast studio, currently in the green room, known as the Jedi of JV, the JV Jedi. All right, without further delay, Russell Westcott. Whoop, whoop. Welcome to the show. There it is. Yeah, there's all the fanfare. Here we go. Whoop, some, whoop, some where's, the conf- where's the confetti? Where's the- Make it rain. Make it rain, guys. Come on. <laughs> That's true. It'll show up. Trust me. It'll show up. It'll show up. Hey, I got something for you. Here we go. Have some fun. How about oh, some thumbs? Look at that. <laughs> 
Uh, look at that. Yeah. You know, what's the old saying is end on a high note, George Costanza moment, mic drop, we're done. All right. And, yeah, end on a high note, and that's the show. Very good. So we, no. we go ahead, Colin. No, because um, I remember meeting Russell, uh, I, I want to say it's over 11 years ago at Rain. And here is this guy getting up on stage and he's telling you how you can buy properties with zero dollars. I was like, shit, I need to pay attention to this guy, <laughs> right? So, and then he became known as the JV Jedi, the king of JVs. And it's like, when we confirmed that Russell was going to be on the the podcast, it was, I was like a little girl all excited. So. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, welcome. Oh. Uh, Gary is going to read your bio and then we, we're going to hear from you directly. Who's Russell Westcott? Oh, wow. All right. So I, I do have an official bio printed off of um, the yellow pages or whatever we call the interwebs these days. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the, the, the fake news, the face, the fake news network, right? <laughs> the fake news. So I, I'm about to read a bio oh. and then we're going to spend the next 50 minutes or so figuring out if that bio actually has some substance. But let me let you in on a little secret. It definitely does. So uh, who's Russell West, uh, Westcott? Uh, known by many as the Hashtag, here we go, JV Jedi, Russell Westcott is a full-time veteran, Canadian-based, I love it, Canadian-based uh, professional real estate investor, best-selling author, and inspirational public speaker, if I could announce it. Russell's presentations have been called passionate, entertaining, educational, and inspirational. At his core, he's a teacher, master communicator, and has moved more than 250,000 people with his books, audio programs, presentations, interviews, and podcasts, and now live streams today here, folks. Uh, he's a natural gift, gift for empathy, mentoring other real estate investors, entrepreneurs, aspiring public speakers. He built his first million-dollar real estate portfolio, I love this, within his first year of taking the leap into real estate investing and continues to build and manage his personal real estate portfolio. This is the cool part. Uh, Russell has co-authored not one, but two best-selling Canadian real estate books, 97 Tips for Canadian Real Estate Investors and Joint Ventures, The Canadian Real Estate Investors Guide to Raising Money and Getting Deals Done. That's who we have on the show today, folks. Russell, uh, pleasure to have you here. Is that, okay, A, did you write all that or did you have somebody write that for you? Because that is impressive. I love it. Well, uh, to be honest, it's been writing itself for the past 20 years. It's, you know, I got my start to, you know, I, I joke, <laughs> I make the running jokes. So how long have you been real estate investing? And I say, yeah, since the turn of the century, uh, a funny way of saying since like right around <laughs> the year 2000, right? So, so Colin, has it been 11 years since when we first met? Has it been 11? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or just over about that. I still had no hair and you were still handsome, right? All that time ago. So, and you no, still still have strange. all, there's not even a gray hair on the side there, Colin. What, what's, you don't even age, do you? And then there's, there's, no, there's Gary and I over here looking like, uh, you know, all scruffy and gray and looking haggard, looking like, you know, with the cat drug in, if you will. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think I met. Well, I can tell you when, uh, I don't know if we actually met, but I had the pleasure of listening to you, Russ. It had to be in 2008, because that's when we started buying investment properties at a high level. Mm -hmm. And and that was kind of our first experience into the Real Estate Investment Network, which you were obviously a member and, and a leader of for many years. But uh, um, those, were, those were the early days of our, at least yep. our investing career. Yep. And so when that went in 2008, 
you had already been investing in real estate for seven or eight years by then. Is that, am I doing my math correct yeah, here? I, I bought my, I, I got the bug literally right around the year 2000, early in 2000. Um, you know, and the reason being is the bug that I caught was because um, I had one of those birthdays that had a zero at the end. I was turning 30 in the year 2000 and I was having a little bit of a Peter Pan syndrome. You know, you guys know what Peter Pan syndrome is? You just never want to grow up, right? So I was having a little bit of a challenge at that time. I was looking for, I was looking for answers and, uh, you know, I had a great job. I had a, you know, fast car and, and stuff like that. It was a Ford SVT Mustang Cobra convertible, you know, flying down the highway, top down, wind whipping through my fingertips, right? You know, so, uh, but I was, something was missing. I was climbing the ladder, but the ladder was leaned up against the wrong wall. Okay. And where does somebody typically go when they need to get answers and they need to, you know, they're maybe having an identity crisis. Where does somebody go? They go to, they turn to Oprah, right? And on the Oprah Winfrey show, I saw an episode with Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that little purple book, not the purple pill, but, you know, nothing against that, but the little purple book changed my life. It's another book, by Yeah, the exactly. Way. That's a different yeah. book by a different manufacturer. <laughs> yes. Is that your third book that's coming out? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but once I started reading uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was a paradigm shift to what I was looking at. And then shortly after that, I reached out to who I thought was a, my financial planner. In essence, they're a glorified, you know, mutual fund salesperson. And lo and behold, they knew the book too, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So it was starting to really resonate. And um, I started playing the cash flow game. I started meeting with people. I started to go to workshops and conferences. And at one of the conferences I went to, hosted by the Canadian Rich Dad, I don't know if you've ever heard of a fellow by the name of Darren Weeks. Darren Weeks hosted a conference in for, he, he branded himself the Canadian Rich Dad. I don't know if, I honestly don't know if we had permission to do that or not, but he did. And at that time, uh, that's when I first saw and met Don Campbell around that time. So it was, it was a little while. It was, you know, year, I think it was a year 2001, 2002. Um, it took me a year to, to kind of get the ground and read a whole bunch of books. And just, I was in book, book phase re reading at that time. And then from there, res, uh, real estate just resonated with me. And now don't get me wrong. Um, I had no reason to get into real estate. I had never bought a property in my life. I was in my 30s and I had never bought a property. As a matter of fact, I grew up in a small town in Saskatchewan. I grew up in a mobile home in a trailer park. And I didn't live in a house until I was, I think we were 13 or 14, where we eventually built our own home. So I had no background in real estate, never even bought a property ever. And, but something just really resonated with real estate. And then once I kind of bought, got the bug and bought that first place circa 2001, 2002, I've just, it was been that spark that just led me on this 19, 20 year journey. And, uh, you know, hundred transactions, hundred plus transactions later, lost money, made money, one you know, got good deals, got bad deals, you know, made all the mistakes in the book, got the t-shirt <laughs> to prove it, got lots of scars and wounds along the way. And, and now I'm just at a place in my investing career where, um, I'm just starting to transition into to giving back and helping people um, even more than I did before. You know, I, I grew up training and teaching and helping people all along, along my journey with the Real Estate Investment Network. I'm just taking that to the next level now is that I've just been so blessed 
by so many wonderful experience and so many coaches and mentors and amazing people in my life. It's my duty to start sharing that with the next generation of people to come. And I'm a firm believer if you've been blessed, you need to be a blessing to others. So I'm here to share my blessings with other people on this journey of real estate because Guys, we all know that real estate is not an easy journey. It is extremely lonely and extremely difficult. And we need more allies. We need more people inspiring. We need more people encouraging each other along this journey because we don't need people catfighting with each other. We need each other lifting each other up on this entrepreneurial real estate journey that we're on. That's a short version of the story. I like it. <laughs> I like it. So, how you, how you see real estate? Has it changed over the years? Like that, that, it's kind of a loaded question, but the way that you saw real estate, I get you know in the early two thousands, the way you view it now, how has that change looked, or what does that look like to you? Well, uh, yeah, I, here's the thing: is I I wish I. You know, sometimes only time and age and wisdom can be the best teacher. Because sometimes I was, you know, maybe too stupid and too ego-driven and too naive to to listen to somebody with some age and wisdom at the time. But some of the lessons that I've learned along the way, I wish I would have known earlier. A couple things. Number one is... Um, you know, buy based on cash flow for number one. That's a that's a truism, but sometimes we get lost in the numbers and we get lost in the fear of hot markets. We get lost in FOMO and everybody's out there going looking in some markets right now and cash flow is tighter than Homer Simpson in a wetsuit right now. And there's no margin in the business and people are making dis bad decisions and people are making, they're lowering their standards of their acquisitions. And guys, whenever you lower your standards of acquisitions, you start trimming off cash flow, you start making uh, allowances where they're not according to, it, it doesn't end too well if you don't have any margin in your business. So some of the big lessons I learned was number one was buy better quality properties get better tenant profiles in better areas. And one of the biggest revelations that I've come to along the way is I've fallen in love with uh, new construction homes is that we actually will go out purpose, build our rental uh, stock and our rental portfolio. And it's a completely different ownership experience than some of my 40, 50, 60 year old properties that I originally bought that were really cheap that had bad tenant profiles in bad areas and deferred maintenance and the deferred maintenance just stacked up and stacked up and stacked up. And, you know, lo and behold, you have to pay the piper sometime. And, you know, you sit there in some properties, maybe you've owned them for 15 to 20 years. And then you're, you're looking at me go, geez, I put in 15 years of my life into this and there's just isn't much here right? Because you just slowly get chipped away of having older deferred maintenance properties that are marginally cash flow producing properties versus getting something that was brand new. It's under warranty. And I just ran my numbers for my year ends. It was such a clear delineation between my older properties and my newer properties on the financial performance. And it is so clear in black and white, which direction I should have went earlier. So if I was to wrap this back up, Here's the biggest lesson is fewer, better quality, understand your tenants, buy better properties in better areas and better houses. That's my, that's the biggest lesson that I've learned because sometimes buying old, cheaper places will always be old, cheaper places. Well said. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us, dear Russell. Now there's a quote that says, and first part of the quote, that says the best time to buy real estate is 20 years ago. Now, I'm sure 
you know, 2001, 2002, you're looking at investment properties and you're like, oh my gosh, the prices are so expensive right now. So, and you've missed out on a lot of opportunities. And here we are today where most investors or people who want to get into investment investing are basically saying the same thing. So what lessons or what words of advice do you have for people who are faced with that dilemma? Yeah, here, here's the best advice I would give you is, is still make sure it cash flows when you buy it. Because here's the thing is, it does not matter how much appreciation happens in 5, 10, 15 years. If you can't afford to hold it, it doesn't matter. It could have it 10x in value. But if you can't afford to hold it, what's it just what's the point, right? You just don't have if you don't have the cash flow to hold it long term, it doesn't matter how much appreciation you have. Okay. So that's one of the key things that you just want to do is you want to just make sure it cash flows from day one, or you have a very short term plan on how you can raise the rent, get the cash flow up to be able to hang on to it long term. Because here's here's the thing: a lot of people talk long term. Everybody's in there. Well, I'm into it for the long term. Yes, I agree. It's easy to say until you've actually been into it for 20 years. Then you can actually look back upon it. There's a lot of people that are real estate investors that are, I would call in the seven year or less time frame that they haven't gone through market cycles. They haven't seen ups. They haven't seen flats. They haven't seen down. They actually, the only thing they've known has been a market that's just gone stratospherically up and they think they're geniuses because the market has gone up. You know, it's not normal for a market to, if you bought a place in November, it's not normal for the place to be up $100,000 in March. That's not a normal marketplace. Okay. Um, Hang on. What? <laughs> I exactly. thought that was normal. But, but people but you're have, blowing my mind. What's going on People here? have normalized it. And I, I, I'm on the Facebook groups all the time and people are going, I can't believe my appraiser didn't appraise my property for $100,000 more. Oh, when did you buy it? Oh, three months ago. I go, well, what do you expect? Right? That's not a normal market. But don't get me wrong. We're going to say thank you, and we're going to be very grateful, but at the same time, rapid growth without underlying fundamentals that drive the cash flow of the business is, is a recipe for failure. It truly is. And, and I say that, ask me how I know. That's right, because, you know, it. I, I've been in markets that had one year was 21%, one was 28%, and another year was 58% growth year over three years in a row. Okay. And during that time, I doubled my portfolio during that period of time. Okay. If the cash flow does not support holding that asset, it's a long slug for years and years and years. Now, guys, I'm not here to tell you what your market will do, but just pay attention. If you start seeing people only talking about interest only mortgages or people only talking about um you know buying something and only buying it on speculation only buying it based upon a future value i bought a pre-sale condo and i paid nine hundred thousand dollars for it okay what is the cash flow look at oh it's negative but i'm going to sell it before it completes okay well how did that work out in 2017 right 
it doesn't necessarily always happen. If don't get me wrong, I love speculation, and that's I love the value going up. Buy low, sell high, right? Buy low, sell high, but always buy for cash flow is a core fundamental saying you have. Because if you find a market that's a, is you're buying low at a bottom of a cycle, you have room to run up because of cash flow, and then hopefully you sell at a peak. If your market is already at a peak and there's no cash flow and the only way to spec to make money is the speculation you might get you might get lucky and it might 100% come to fruition but what happens if the music stops and you have an asset that costs you 600 bucks a month and it the tenant now you know maybe you can't raise your rents for another year or two in a you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, rent controlled marketplaces. Um, maybe that tenant then sits in the place and uh, says, oh, you know, I'm going to choose not to pay you for the next six months. Six months turns into a year, a year turns into 14 months, and then you can't evict the person. All of a sudden, how's your, how's the appreciation of that property doing? right? You still need to be able to treat it like a business. The cash flow from the operations of the business needs to sustain the property so you can then cash in long-term on a on the asset valuation in the future. And I actually run a business model. Here's a model I actually run. I actually run a model on my properties that let's say you hold it for 15 years and it doesn't go up and value $1. But you do some aggressive, you get some good strong cash flow and you get some aggressive maybe mortgage paydowns. You, I was just talking with a client of mine the other day and he was, we were working on a spreadsheet and he worked on a spreadsheet on this one property with only like a 1% growth number. But even with no growth in 13.8 years by snowballing the mortgages, you could have that property paid off free and clear. Right. So let's say, for example, you bought it for five hundred thousand dollars and in 14 years, it's still worth five hundred thousand bucks, zero appreciation. But you have a free and clear property. How much do you have as an asset? How much do you have as in your pension fund? It's not a trick question. Right. It's a half a million bucks. You have a half a million dollar pension plan. And let's say that property generates you three thousand dollars net a month. You just generated on one property a half a million dollar pension plan that generates $36,000 a year in, in income for you. And with three places free and clear, you can have $1.5 million pension plan that'll generate $100,000 for you, right? Or just under, what is, what's 36 times yeah. three would be a little over 100, 140, what is it? 100, 100 yeah. yeah. right around 100 yeah, grand. 102,000, yeah. yeah. And there's so much to unpack there, right? Is I think when we have that notion, I'm going to become a real estate investor. And, and I think we've all been there perhaps at some case where like, I'm going to go out and buy my hundred properties and, or have my 200 doors or 250 doors or whatever that number is. I was there. I'm sure you guys were there too. And just as you explained, Russ, like it doesn't really necessarily take 20, 30, 50 properties to generate that type of wealth. And if you follow the fundamentals as, as you are you know, eloquently so talking about uh, this afternoon, it does only take a few properties to reach some of those financial goals, right? Well, that goes back to the question you asked earlier, Colin, and our differences on what I learned now from then is when I first got started, and for many of you, if you have uh, some of the old real estate investment network CDs, and you maybe have got like CD number one, and it talks about that I have a goal for 146 properties or 145, it was something ridiculous, like 150 properties. That's one of the biggest things that you don't need that much real estate. 
the the ratio that I've been teaching and I've been teaching most of my clients to help them build out is what I call the three, two, one free program. Three, two, one free. It's buy three, sell two, keep one free and clear. Okay. Now, in that model that I shared with you to get three free and clear properties in, say, a 14, 15 year time frame, you're going to have to buy nine, sell six, keep three. And with those three free and clear houses, you will have a $1.5 to $2 million asset base that'll generate you $100,000. And now that is legacy leaving money. You then protect that asset base. You You protect it from you borrowing against it. You put a moat around it. And then you now have the golden goose that will keep laying the golden eggs for as long as you want it to, or as long as your children, your grandkids, you will be known as as Grandpa Gary or a grandpa Colin in the future that took the, the stake in the ground and put the stake in the ground and you changed your family's financial futures forever because you chose to invest into a program, invest into a real estate or watch this podcast or listen, sorry, listen to this podcast, watch this live broadcast and uh, you decided to make a change. Right. So it doesn't take that many properties. And the model I shared with you guys is based upon a zero appreciation model. Now, factor in a 2% growth or a 4% growth model or something there, the numbers start getting ridiculous. Right. And I believe we're entering into an inflationary time frame, which, you know, go buy a piece of two by four or a piece of plywood right now and you will 100% see that. But it still does not give you permission to lower your standards on a cash flow at purchase. Even though you firmly believe prices are going to be higher in the future, even though if that's firmly, if you believe immigration's coming in, you believe there's going to be some inflation, you're going to believe that there's going to be a housing shortage, which are all positive signs for appreciating marketplace, which I say, I believe that there are those things at play right now that still does not give you permission to buy a negative cash flowing property and justifying it based upon speculation. So you brought up something really interesting there and you, you got into it a little bit is, is inflation. And a lot of real estate investors are, we'll call them just like the, the Sunday afternoon quarterback in a sense, right? They, they have a little bit of knowledge, but yet they perhaps don't understand the financial economics or the economics behind, you know, our whole financial field, as it were. On the simplest terms, what does inflation typically do to our real estate market? Typically, inflation to real estate means that the asset will be worth more in the future than it is today. And here's what you potentially can do today is you can lock in your price today and sell it at a future amount. And the beautiful thing in there is you can take debt on it right now. And debt is actually a good instrument to have during and it's a good hedge to have against inflation. But eventually there will come a time where you will want to be debt free, like there will come a time. And, and here's why, how I know this. If any of your listeners or viewers have been, say, out negotiating with an apartment building owner, okay, and that apartment building owner built the place in the 80s, so the property's probably free and clear, right? First of all, you can never get a hold of the person because usually during normal time they're traveling. We're during, and I, you know, I know you guys got a big snowstorm out there. Usually they're traveling. 
And you just can't get a hold of them because th- their lifestyle is they have no stress. They have nothing to really do. They go, they collect a little bit of the coin money from the laundry and they just do that. And they just, ah, we don't need to do this. Fun story with one of my clients who was buying a, an apartment building, 11 unit pro- apartment building. Um, the owner only had three of the 11 units rented. The other eight were in different repair states and stuff like that. And he was still cash flowing with only three units. And uh, my client just in there goes, he goes, why don't you fill the remaining units? He goes, ah, why would I want to fill all those units and have all that hassle? And I make so much more money. My taxes would go through the roof. So I just let it sit empty. So, so that's, that's a person who is free and clear, right? You, you don't have to fill all your properties. Now, just imagine somebody who's levered up to 95% and the cash flow is 200 bucks and you get one notice to vacate. What is your world? Your world turns upside down. You're panicking. Oh my goodness, I got to do a renovation. That renovation is going to cost me $4,700 for floor and painting. And then you're going to go, where does the 4,700 bucks come from? Because it doesn't come from my cash flow right now. So, oh, I got to go dip into the cookie jar on the top shelf right up by where grandma keeps the peanut butter in your own wallet. And when you start pulling money out of your own pocket to doing that, you're ROI keeps deteriorating and it keeps going down and very few people will actually keep um, a tally of how much extra money they put into a negative cash flowing asset down the road. And your your cash flow just keeps deteriorating to a point where you sit there and go, oh, I don't like this real estate game too much anymore. And then you want to maybe quit, right? So it's just a different way of looking at it. And I don't think enough people, like, let's just paint a picture here. Some of your audience members might be where I was, you know, 20 years ago, early 30s, and you're just trying to buy your first place and you're listening to this guy in his, who just turned 50 this year and he's sitting there going, and he's talking about free and clear places, man, I don't even know how to get my first mortgage and this person's talking about free and clear properties 15, 20 years from now. Have a plan in place to how eventually you're going to have the properties paid off because that's one of the things with borrowed money, borrowed money has to eventually be paid back over time. And there's a lot of people out there that subscribe to the refi to you die plan. And, you know, don't get me wrong during an acquisition phase, when you're aggressively acquiring properties, refinancing, borrowing more money, that's, those are very good tools in your toolkit, but there eventually comes a time when you want to start divesting of some poor performing assets, paying off some of those mortgages to only have the best of the best properties that are just going to be that golden goose that just keeps laying those golden eggs. No, I like it. And I think it was, sorry, Colin. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I just have a comment, then you can pick it pick it up. Uh, I, th- I think it was perhaps Don Campbell that would always say, maybe you said it too from the stage uh, as well, Russell, was always be selling your dogs. Yep. Metaphorically and, and, and speaking. When you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, there well, it is. Here's the thing. Is, uh, it was definitely Don. It was not me because yeah. uh, right, I was okay. still early in my career. I was... I was a little bit more cavalier in my strategies, a little more, a little more aggressive. And, you know, nobody could have ever told me about paying off houses and having free and clear properties. I would have sat there and said, you're crazy. Why would I want to lose the biggest benefit I have in real estate? And that's leverage. Why would I ever want to pay off a piece of real estate? Get to my age get to, you know, a few gray hairs in the beard and the hair and stuff like that. Get get to a point where where the runway gets a little bit shorter in life and you'll be very glad if you had some free and clear houses. Yeah. Well said, well said. Question there now, Russ, because um, you used the F word a few times 
and I wanted to at least dig a little deeper there so we can get some clarity for our listeners. The word fundamentals. Um, apart from having cash flow property, what else should a potential investor be looking for when getting into real estate investment? So just thank you for being very clear that we were talking about the F word and not the mom, right? So, <laughs> so uh, 100%. So here, here's... Was it, there was a few bombs showing up on your screen earlier. Oh, exactly. I've been so engaged in the conversation, I've been <laughs> forgot to drop a few bombs here, guys. So There you go. Uh, hang on. <laughs> There you go. That's what we were expecting. Well, that or 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 I showed you guys as well as you know. Sometimes we just got to bring in the fire, right? Woo! Yeah, it's getting yeah. hot in here, guys. Right? Yeah. So we're yes, just dropping yes, some knowledge is. bombs. We're bringing the fire. So so great question, Colin. I, I I absolutely love that. So so here's a here's a couple key fundamentals, and I'm going to keep it really simple. Okay. And some of you might sit there goes, well, Russell, that's really simple. I, I, let's put it this way. I wish I had learned this a little bit, or I should, let me back up. I wish I had adhered to this a little bit earlier in my career. Okay. And this is, comes from my business partner who shares something as we call it the three funda- the three pillars of success in real estate. It's what you buy, where you buy, and who you rent to. Okay. The most important of the what you buy, where you buy, and who you rent to, the most important variable is who you rent to. Most people do not take enough consideration into the tenant profile before they buy a property. They will just sit there and they'll analyze a pro forma. They'll look at numbers. Oh, it's cheap. It's, you know, where you guys are out your way. It's only $800,000 for a duplex, right? That's cheap, man. They're selling. They're going to sell for two, four million in, in, in five years from now. Most people five months own, from now. Yeah, five months. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> After you refi it seven times and buy seven yeah, more of them, right? right? But yeah. most most people do not consider the tenant profile, okay? Uh, one of the things that we will do is we will identify our tenant profile by asking the questions, who they are, what, where do they work, what cars do they drive, are they PC or Mac, what, what uh, Facebook channels do they like to listen to, where do they go? And we'll get right down to, you know, ages, kids, pets, like, and we'll define it, okay? We'll define our ideal tenant. Now that we once have our ideal tenant in mind, then what we do is we go find the right house to house that tenant in the right area, okay? So, for example, a couple of my recent transactions, I bought some brand new suited construction houses in the Edmonton area of Alberta. I identified that I liked having families, young school-aged children. Typically, you know, they're, you know, they also have potentially one pet at the time. They like to, you know, go camping. Uh, they have a Ford F-150 and maybe a, a Dodge Journey uh, um, SUV. Right. Kids are typically under four years, four and two. Here's where they work. Husband works in maybe the oil field services and making a couple hundred thousand. Mom works part time volunteers at the school, but then also does some work with the local charity and local hospitals. Okay, so. Did you see how clear I was on the tenant profile I was looking for? So we found a brand new suited house that we built right across the street from a school. Okay, that's what you buy, where you buy, and who you rent to. We picked the tenant profile, we matched the right house to it, and then we 
put it in the right area. And we've so far in the last year, if not something resembling woods, have had wood having nothing, have had no vacancy, have had really had no issues. There's the properties are brand new, so they're under warranty. Anytime anything comes up, it's typically covered by the warranty. We had a furnace that went out in this winter when it was minus 400 degrees. A phone call went from property manager to uh, heating and cooling people. They came in, they fixed the furnace for free. I had to pay about a $250 truck charge because the, uh, the, the, emergency service charges was not covered under warranty. So where something in my older property that would have happened would have taken days and days and weeks and might have cost me 9,000 bucks, this cost me 230 bucks, right? Because you're you're just matching the right tenant to the right place in the right area and it's a better ownership experience. And that's at the end of the day, I, you know, maybe as I get my advanced years Sleep at night and going to bed and uh, having a good sound sleep is actually more paramount than ever before. It's like it's like Friday night and I'm sitting there going, "Oh man, it's nine thirty! Holy moly, I'm, it's, I've been up late tonight." You know, can we watch? Can we watch? Uh, you know, for all mankind just came out on Fridays on some. I don't know if I can really make it through to watch that whole thing, right? So. Friday nights right now is Winter Soldier for okay, me. Yes. I, I'm just I am I am loving that series. Anyways, we hey, can get we, into that we never, later. I watched the first one and I just I didn't get the first one. I, or not, so I didn't get it. I didn't. It didn't grab me on the first episode. It was okay. It was, so this is a, an interesting segue, and that's what makes this podcast yep. so great because it is things that are not so black and white, right? Yep. Uh, do yourself a favor and go with it for another three or four episodes. It'll grab you, and it, it's pulling in. If you're a Marvel fan, and I'm I'm a a mediocre Marvel fan, uh, it does pull in some really neat storylines that you were not anticipating. Good, I'm I'll looking forward to it. But but how the, do you like that? Is it two, not time, Gear? The two referrals. It could be. Sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you go, Russ. No, go. I just wanted to just uh, two that you guys would like too is if you if you're interested in some space ones for all mankind is phenomenal, and really? okay, Ted Lasso. If you guys want oh a my gosh. belly laugh, snort out loud, tears rolling down your eyes. Uh, Ted Lasso was such a sleeper hit. There's a scene in there, and I'm trying not to give it away to everyone, where he's having the darts at the end, and he's throwing the darts, and and he shares the Walt Whitman quote about, you know, be curious, not judgmental. You will be cheering. You'll be, Daddy Rojas, Daddy Rojas. (laughs) Anyways, two two to to share with you there. Yeah, that's one of my faves. And they just announced that season two is is being released. I think I I read in July or something July 23rd. There you have it. Russell Westcott with uh, Ted Lasso update. That's what we come here for, folks. Well, that's about the, hang on, is that the best knowledge bomb that I dropped today? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Write that in your... Write that in your day timers. <laughs> hey, if we can't Very have good. fun, that's what what are we doing here, right? Eh? That's yep. exactly yep. it. So there's I have about a thousand questions from our first 30 minutes or so, but I do have a handful of questions that it's important that we ask Russ. And and these questions, you know, we call them rapid fire questions. They will be all serious. If you can see my head shaking, no. And it's important. Some of them might be one-word answers, and some of them might not be. I don't know. It's a, it's entirely up to you. Oh, so, man, these um, are the toughest ones ever. Is where you have to try to come up with something witty. Yeah, something <laughs> something witty. So here we go. We'll start off with an with an easy one. Would you rather be texting? Sorry, talking or texting? Um, texting. Texting. Okay. Favorite season of the year? 
Favorite season of the year? Um, actually, I like fall. Fall, very good. Okay. And you might have to use the left side of your brain for this one, or I'm not even sure. Uh, is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? Oh, well, it all depends on how, uh, it depends if anyone's watching or not, I guess. <laughs> oh, I like it. We haven't, we haven't got that one yet. It depends no. who's watching. Okay. First, first, I always like this one. But, but here's uh, the thing is, um, it comes down to the choice of each person of whether they want to do it or not. Right. Oh, here we go. Now we're being politically correct. <laughs> well, hey, you know, I don't want to be canceled here, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. All right. Okay. So knowing, knowing your age, I've got someone in mind for this, the answer of this next question. Your first celebrity crush. My first celebrity crush. Oh, I guess it depends on how far back we go. Um, uh, Barbara Eden, I Dream a Genie. Oh, oh, I did shoot. That well, one I went way back. I should way have back. thought of that one. Way I back. Went wow. way back. You went after school you TV way to, back. Yeah. I thought you would have gone to like Angela Lansbury way back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's not that old. How old do you think oh, he is? Oh, <laughs> man. Hey, hang on. Call, hey, call and I couldn't quite hear that, what you just said there. <laughs> wow. Wow. Jeez. Oh, okay. yeah, that was an ageism, wasn't it there, my friend? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, a few more here. Okay. Uh, favorite junk food? Favorite junk food? Oh, Twizzlers. Like it red, like the red, red ones, right? The yeah. classic oh, red. Oh, when they're Twizzler. when yeah. they're soft yeah. and juicy and uh, oh, sorry, those are those are straw. evil. They're just pure evil. Yeah, very good. Uh, is speaking of food, is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? Uh, only if it's your own, and you have your no guests. Your own party. <laughs> your own party. <laughs> your own party. <laughs> yeah, and I always sorry, love this I'm gonna, one. I'm going to preface questions. that. I'm going to actually. I've had some thought about that. I'm okay with double dipping if you. Do both sides. You dump one side, eat, and then you take the other side potentially. But yeah, yeah I guess you do in the a 180. post COVID world, I guess uh, double dipping is you know going to be probably a never ever again. A double dipping yeah, with a seven layers of hand sanitizer. Nice. Or the seven layer dip. You go <laughs> one layer right. at a time. Right? That's right. Hey, we can get creative on this show. That's right. Uh, uh, an important question. Name one of the seven dwarfs. Uh, sleepy. There it is. Yep. Is it Sleepy? Yeah, is there, is Sleepy one of them? Dozy? Yes, and I don't know any others because we've only had Sleepy as an answer on this Doc. show. Doc. There we go. Yeah. There's a different one for you. Doc. Yeah, Doc is one, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll do two more. Uh, cake or pie? Cake with a side of Very pie. Very good. With a, oh, I like it. With yeah, pie al as, as the afters. And, and ice cream, too. So. <laughs> oh, here we go. And uh, and an incredibly important question, The Godfather or Star Wars? Oh, this is important. Excuse me. This is the podcast you've been seeking. Star Wars. Come on. I should have my, I should have, hang on. Do you see on my back here? Who, who do you think is sitting on my, who do you think is sitting on my desk here? I got baby Yoda here. Baby there. Yoda. Right? Nice. There is no try. There is there no try. Is no try. No. Yes. Nice. Nice. I, I love the sign uh, behind yourself as well there. I remember listening to you speak years and years and years ago. And one of your favorite sayings was exactly what you have back there. Shoot the puck. Yeah. 
Are it's, you, are you it's still co- telling people that? It's a, it's actually, here's, here's the cool thing is I've been around so long. What's old is new again. <laughs> I'm bringing out all the old, old, old jokes and old material and people are going, oh, that's funny. I've never heard that before. And I keep forgetting. Yeah, I guess I've been around so long that people have not heard the shoot the puck story or the Terry Fox story or the cassette tape story. So it's like, I, I'm having fun with my podcast and putting out all these materials and, and it's like, I'm just going back into the old tickle trunk, pardon the, the Mr. Dress-Up term here, the old tickle I trunk of archives of, uh, of all the old stories. And just, they're just, they're, they're new again. And actually people are, are really resonating with them. So I'm having a lot of fun right now. So that's great. So tell us, okay. T- tell us a little bit about the podcast and what that serves and, and how you're helping and supporting people there. Well, you know what? It's very similar to the mission that you guys have is, you know, there's there's just multiple different modalities that people um, want to learn and people want to to listen to. And it, it comes back to a core that I shared a couple a little bit earlier is that, you know, I've been blessed and I want to be a blessing. And it really to the, the core intention of my life is to inspire, encourage and come from a place of love. That's what I judge my every day on this planet is at the end of the day, did I inspire somebody? Did I encourage somebody? And did I come from love when I was having that interaction? And that's my goal when I have an interaction with somebody is did they leave feeling inspired, encouraged, and loved? And the podcast is just an extension to that where I can just sit here in my office. Um, I make the joke as I have a face for podcasting is that um, I just sit here with the microphone and all the gear and I just share some stories. And I have uh, uh, not only just is it just stories, but it's some very in-depth training. Like I just released a five-part series that I know for a fact people would pay charge $500 or more for that. And it's for free on my YouTube channel and my podcast where I did a five-part series of walking through how do you build your plan and then what are the obstacles are going to face that and then how do you systematically bust through all the obstacles of the five biggest obstacles you will face and then we did it over a five-part series. It's like almost about six, six and a half hours and it's 100% for free. And it's just my way of serving, just my way of giving back to a community that has provided myself and my family so much and it's just how I want to just serve and how I want to show up. That, that just reminds me of one of uh, Colin's favorite quotes, the Jim Rohn quote that you always bring up. Now is an appropriate time, Colin. Absolutely. You help enough people get what they want, you will eventually get what you want, right? And that's it's you've, you've lived and lived your entire life like that. Now, um, I know we referenced uh, Baby Yoda before you mentioned Star Wars. You were known as the JV Jedi. Right. Uh, and we should have known the answer would have been Star Wars even before we even asked that question there, Gary. Now, JV, tell us what that term, because we throw a lot of terms out there, JV, joint venturing, what that actually means and how does a potential investor go raise capital? Yeah. Uh, well, there, there. How much time do we got here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's Pandora's That's a six-hour course. He was just talking. There, about. There's Pandora's box a little bit, but no, great, great question. I'm not dismissing that at all. Um, um I, I come from a, a school of simple, right? And I like to believe that sometimes simple is best. So let me paint a picture here for you. 
let's say, and this is something I use all the time, and Gary will be very familiar, and Colin will be very familiar with this too, is I flash a cartoon on a screen sometime when I'm talking about a joint venture. And on this cartoon, there's three young children on a playground, right? One child has a jar of peanut butter, one child has a jar of jam, and another child has a loaf of bread, right? And the the one with the peanut butter and jam are standing beside each other and they're looking at the, the, the one child over there with the loaf of bread and they say, hey, why don't we get together and go joint venture with that person over there, right? Each person on that playground, one had peanut butter, which is fine. You can eat peanut butter, right? The other one had jelly. You can eat a little bit of jelly on its own. And the other one had a loaf of bread. They can eat the loaf of bread on their own. Each person on its own can, uh, can have, be sustained with the nutrition on their own. But just imagine you put the peanut butter, the jelly, and the bread together, and then you put little heart shapes in it, and you cut the crusts off on it, little love notes in the in the lunch kit, and now you have a joint venture that the sum of each of the individual parts makes something greater than in the individual on its own. Now, take that same analogy and to talk about somebody who has some capital, somebody who has a deal, somebody who has an expertise, somebody who can qualify for a mortgage. You put those variables together, the money, the mortgage, the management, and the mastery, the 4M principle I talk about. You put those four things together and you got an incredible deal. And maybe you can go buy 20 places where on your own you could have only bought two. Is that a good, short, concise answer for you? Yeah, mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I need a mic drop noise. Here, how about crickets? Oh, hang on. Oh, there, oh, there it is. <laughs> the, the actual one. That, that was that was very, because I'm a visual learner, and that I saw every aspect of that. Now, for someone who have that knowledge, but sometimes discount themselves and think, I still need to bring that money in to become a partner or ask for equal shares in an opportunity. What advice are you giving to that person? Well, there, therein lies a lot of the core work that I do a lot with my coaching clients. Sometimes we, we often sell ourselves short a lot on what we're, we're about to do. The best way I can just, I can give some really tangible advice for everybody. So, so picture this again, Colin, if you will. Um, there's a burning house, okay? And this burning house coming, standing in front of the burning house is a firefighter. You know, the helmet, the shield, the oxygen tank, the axe, the hose, the jacket, the waiters, he's a firefighter. He, sorry, they are a firefighter, okay? Um, what happens when most people see a burning building? What do most people do? What do most people do when you see a burning building? You run. You run away, typically, right? There's a select few that might pull their phone out and might dial 911 and call the fire department. But there's actually even a, a fewer select group of people that will actually run into the fire to help and save others. Now, what separates that person from running that runs into it versus runs away from it? I believe the person that runs into it is somebody who has been equipped with the right training, with the right mindset, with the right helmet, with the right oxygen, with the right axe, with the right hose. They've done the work. They've been equipped with coaching. They've been equipped with mentors. They've uh, put in the miles, right? And they've practiced carrying the, you know, the, the dummies across the thing, and they've done the firefighter games, and they've done that. They've equipped themselves to run in to the fire to help people. Okay. Now let's 
take that into a context within real estate is that there are a lot of people out there right now that don't have a plan for their financial futures, that are floundering out there a little bit. Maybe they're in a burning building. And what they need is they need somebody who's been trained, somebody who's been equipped, someone who watches this podcast, listens to this podcast with, with Gary and Colin, somebody who's read the book, somebody who's taken the training, somebody who has a coach. And what they've done is they've now have been equipped to run in to help those people with a good performing real estate asset. And essentially, you're not providing them with a house, you're providing them with an opportunity to help fulfill upon their financial plan and their financial goals. So bottom line, do the works, do the work, put in the miles, get equipped, and then the confidence will follow. The more, let's put it this way, the more work you do, the more confident you feel, right? Hey everyone, sure hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just wanted to take a quick pause in today's show to share with you a real estate investing and financing tip that has helped many investors scale up their portfolio. Data-driven decisions and having a roadmap are two of the most important fundamentals for real estate investing success. When it comes to financing income properties, it is critical to take a strategic approach versus a traditional transactional approach to financing. A transactional approach is when your lender or broker just speaks to you about the deal at hand versus sitting down and helping you with your plans of financing and putting a roadmap together for your next properties. Do you have the critical answers to start, grow, and scale your portfolios? Answers to some key questions such as, where will the money come from to keep acquiring your properties? How do you structure your deal strategically while not painting yourself into a corner with future financing? And how to proactively manage your borrowing power? These are just a few of the key questions you need answers. If you're looking to grow your portfolio and you're looking to structure your financing strategically, I suggest you speak with one of the team members at Streetwise Mortgages. They have helped thousands of investors scale up their portfolios and also get into the game of real estate investing. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise Mortgages. Best of all, on top of the financing roadmap, you'll receive a summary report on the top 18 Ontario markets. Plus, you'll receive a comprehensive deep dive research report on the market of your choice of the top 18. I'm currently looking at one of these reports right now and they are comprehensive and deep data-driven decision materials for you to make the right decision. I highly recommend you take a look at this if you are interested in starting, growing, and scaling your real estate investing portfolio. To book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That's info at streetwisemortgages.com. There will also be a link in the show notes below. Now back to the show. And, and how often have we've had these conversations with, you know, investors and, and, and it doesn't matter uh, in real estate or if you're outside of that and you're generating, you're creating your own business. Uh, you, we, we typically attract like-minded people, which is amazing, but that also means we attract like-minded people that have the same skill set as us, right? How important is it? Uh, Russ, to, to attract people when you're joining a joint venture, just as you explained in the peanut butter and the jelly sandwich scenario, to have the differences. So someone's bringing the capital, someone's bringing the, the renovation experience. Like how, how important is that? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's essential to the, to, to the success. Now, here's the thing is, 
I tell people is you don't always have to be 100% in agreement with everything, but you have to be 100% in alignment. And those are two very distinct distinctions. Distinct. That's Isn't that the Department of Redundancy Department, right? You, you don't have to be in agreement, but you have to be in alignment. Okay. Now, and I usually break it into to the four variables, which I shared with you guys before. It, it comes down to money, mortgage, management, like the day-to-day operations, and then the master. Who are those people? Like the master meaning who is the expert? Who has the capital? Who can qualify for a loan? Who has the day-to-day operations? And who is the expert to go find the property and is the real estate expert in the transaction? And if you have, if everybody is only has money, well, you can probably figure it out. But you're going to be lacking some valuable skill on the day-to-day operation. You're going to be lacking some skill on the expertise, right? Or if nobody has money, but everybody can qualify for a mortgage, you need those four variables, right? And that's how I use, that's how I, I will sit down to this day when I'm having conversations with potential money partners, and we will pull out a piece of paper, pad and kicking it old school, and we'll draw a line down as who's got the money, who's can qualify for the mortgage, who's doing the day-to-day, and who is the expert. And then what we do is we break those four variables into a weighted number, and then they need to add up to 100, right? And so let's say we were doing a deal, and you're Gary, you're bringing the money, and Colin, you're bringing the mortgage, and I'm doing the rest, right? And we valued that the money's worth 20, the mortgage is worth 20, and then the rest is worth 2060. 60. 60. 60. So it would be a it would be a 2020 60 split, right? Or we would negotiate that, right? Yeah. No, that, that that's important. And it, and I think the the same can be said as you as you described earlier, you know, you know who who your exact tenant needs to be. Right. And, and it's, it's the, kind of the same conversation in a sense, you know, people often come to, I know all three of us and say, I want to start buying investment properties. Perfect. Have you thought about what kind of tenant you want? Because that's going to determine what type of property you buy and so on. And, and similar to this, right, Russ, like we really need to get very crystal clear on who we want to partner with. Yep. Is that right? Well, and then I take it a step further with the conversation I have with people too, is, um, I get down to the, the most important metric to me is a little bit of the time, right? The return on time and a little bit of the pain in the factor. So here's the thing that we want to do is I will ask a lot of people is like, how busy is your life? Like, do you have, you have five kids, you're going from this place to this place and you, you're pulling your hair out. You don't know what you're doing. You've got a job, spouse works, you both work. You don't have a lot of time to really focus on these kind of things, Right. So, for example, somebody in that situation that has no time, but they maybe have some capital and they can pull this off, someone like that, in order for them to go execute a burr strategy or a renovation project or a flip would be absolutely ridiculous because you just don't have the time to do it, right? You might want to then really focus in on something that's turnkey, purpose-built, management in place, write a check, qualify for a mortgage, right? Partner with somebody that knows what they're doing. They'll go negotiate on a six pack of houses for you. And you only want one of them, but he negotiated a six pack price. You know, lo and behold, come talk to me. I'll help you out. I'll help you alleviate that. And for an exchange of two weeks of your time, I'll I'll give you five to 10 years of mine and my expertise and my 20 years of experience and all my team and all my expertise. And I'll get you in touch with a really good asset and I'll just take care of all the details for you. Can you tell I've had that conversation a few times? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we love. That's what we love. Perfect. So 
there's a lot of things that you're doing to support support your peers, support uh, aspiring investors. Uh, who who do you love working with right now? Uh, you know, I there's I have two two distinct groups of people that are coming to me. Group number one is um, people just getting started. I call them, and don't get me wrong when I just say that I'm going to name an age, but it, it falls that it's typically they're like 27 to 35. Okay. And they're new in the game and they're wanting to get started and they're looking to somebody that has the expertise 20 years in the business, somebody who's been in all the market cycles. They're seeing that and they see all these success stories and they see people that are, you know, like, don't get me wrong, all the people. They have incredible intentions, but somebody who's only been involved in real estate for five years does not have the wisdom that somebody who's been in it in 20 years. Okay. It's just, it's just a fact. Okay. But there is a group of people, young, looking for guidance, looking for leadership, and they're just coming and they're resonating with the message that I'm talking about. And they're just looking for, you know, essentially what Don Campbell did to me back when I got started was he was my guide guiding light and my Northern star. And he was the person who I mentored from. And now I'm passing that along to the same group of people coming up with all the things that I've learned along the way. So that's group number one. Group number two is people that are in similar age bracket as myself. And they're sitting there going, you know, the runway is just getting a little shorter, right? We have kids that are going to be going into college or university ages. And we also have aging parents that are still, and then there's, it's called the, the Oreo cookie generation, the cream filling between the, the Oreo cookies, right? Where you have aging parents and you have young children and you potentially have to help both of them. Okay, maybe the aging parents didn't save enough or didn't have enough assets and the kids coming up are going to need to help into the housing market. So that group of people are sitting there going, holy moly, the runway is getting a little shorter. Uh, We need to start elevating what we're doing. And that pension plan and CPP just ain't going to cut it anymore. So we need some help. Let's go talk to a guy who's been there, done that, and who's, you know, investing in real estate full time. Somebody who's made a lot of the mistakes and willing to share it with them. And let's not go down that same landmines that somebody's been there already. So as you can tell, I thought about that a little bit. (laughs) There you go. That's experience talking, right? And, and that's what we like to say. And, and, and it's, you know, we often call and I from, if we put our uh, realtor hat on, sometimes we have these exact same conversations that the subject matter doesn't necessarily change. You know, we, we, there's, there's always rock star agents that have tremendous amount of success in their early years. And as soon as we hit like a crazy market, like we're all uh, in right now, whether you're in the States or in Canada, you start to have those crazy thoughts, right? The, the thoughts that make your hair go away. And then it, it's truly only the ones that have had that experience that have gone through it that know how to, not necessarily know how to handle it, but just know how to absorb that, right? Well, I got something I'm going to share with you here in a second is, and I can share it with a story, 100% true story of two clients of mine. Sorry, I might be a little, I'm going to geographically locate this a little bit. One's out in Eastern Canada, one's out in Western Canada. The one out in Eastern Canada is coming back and going, oh my God, I am so stressed out. I don't know. I have to go in with no conditions. I got to go get my mortgage application pre-approved before I go in. I have to be prepared to go with no mortgage conditions. I can't even go see the place. I have to write it $130,000 over list. I I can't even run my numbers. Ah, It's all frazzled. Okay. Another one of my clients that's buying out in Edmonton, um, I gave them a week to go find as many properties that would fit the model that are sitting on the MLS. 
just sitting there. Came back with seven places. Three of them were fantastic offers, uh, opportunities. Wrote an offer on one of them. Had conditions. Negotiated a discount. Was able to get an extension uh, because they couldn't get their financing in time. And when they were all said and done, the property would cash flow four hundred bucks. Right. So, you know, guys, it, it, this is a big country. Your 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 money doesn't care if it invests in southwestern Ontario or not. Put your money to work where it's going to work hard for you to get a good return on your money, right? It's just they're little soldiers. And you put those little soldiers out into the marketplace and you want them to return with more soldiers, right? An old Kevin Leary story. Yeah. Kevin Leary and the richest man in Babylon as well. Yeah. I so, like and I'm it. not trying to, I'm not poo-pooing on, on the Ontario marketplace or any of that kind of stuff. Some of the clients that I work with do have, are having very good success, but I'm just, I'm, it's, it's tighter. It's tougher. Well, it's tighter, tougher, but I think what, what I took out of that, that, that story, Russ, is if we have money sitting there doing nothing, it is exactly what it's doing. It's doing nothing. So if there's an opportunity to put that money to work. And and not to overextend yourself like we initially talked about, you know, in the early years type thing, but to you know to to create more money to go replicate itself. Uh, that is a conversation I think needs to be had, right? Yep, agreed. Mm-hmm. And just educate yeah. yourself a little bit too. It's like by all means, you know, an exercise I gave to one of my clients who was just sitting there. He was not sure about where to buy, and I said, "I go here's what you do. You got sixty days." Go follow the Matt McKeevers, the Matt Pichets, the Gary McGowans, the Russell Westcott. Go follow everybody. Go to the Wind City group. Go to Rise group. Go to every group you can possibly find. You got 60 days to research to your heart's content. And what you eventually have to do is you have to shortlist the thing. You have to start off with a, a group like, 30 places, 30 areas, eventually getting it down to three. But in 60 days, you need to make a decision, right? Because from that decision comes the power because they were wanting to go approach potential money partners to invest with them. Like, okay, if you don't even know where you're going to invest and you don't have the certainty of where you're investing and why you're investing, how is somebody ever going to have that certainty with you? So I would give them the grace to go just research till their cow, till the cows came home. But eventually they had to make a decision, right? And when they came back, they eventually got honed in. They're now down to two. And I have uh, my next call with them, I think next week, and they have to get it down to one. And then they have to operate moving forward with velocity on that one path, right? Because, and I make the often the joke is, one of the reasons why I love to shop at Costco quite a bit is because you have a big one and you have a little one, you pick one, right? If you don't need the little one and the big one's too big, then you pick neither, right? But you pick one of them and you have to make a decision quickly and move on because there's not 1,700 brands. There's one brand, two sizes. Pick one, move forward, operate with some velocity, and then figure it out as you keep going, Right. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Well and, and yeah, it definitely well said. And I think it's important to say that there's, yes, we're talking about in buying and ac- acquiring real estate today, but we can do that in many forms. As, as we said, they, I, if I were the money partner, I'd be looking for people that have that tenacity and, and, and the gumption to go out and do all that hard work. And then there's other ways to invest as the money partner. So uh, if you don't have that experience, or you don't want that experience, look for people 
like Russ was, you know, 10, 15 years ago and, and Colin and I were, we were attracting that become the other side of it. Right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Be, be it, yeah. be it until you become it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, Russ, this this hour has gone by fast and fast. Uh, we're we're a little over, but that's okay. I love I love when it gets going, and 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 I always love your stories because, like Colin, I'm visual and I love a good story. So, if you can match a good story with a with a real estate lesson, I'm all for it. That's what I love. <laughs> oh, it's about the entertainment, about the narrative, right? That exactly. So, uh, we talked about your podcast. What's the name of your podcast? How do people find it? I'm not very creative. It's called the Russell Westcott Podcast. Russell Westcott. Po- okay, I got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think I can remember that. If you just Google, yeah. if you just Google my name, you will find probably to my website. And that's probably the home of everything. And that's kind of the hub of everything is the website. And and when you start typing into Google, you know, and you go Russell, and you start typing into W-E-S-T, it'll probably come up as Russell Westbrook. I'm not him. And you'll get the joke if you actually do that, right? So, okay. Well, that'll be the first thing that I do when this when this is over. Uh, very, good. and that's how people get a hold of you through your website. That's is the, that the, that'd be the, the, the easiest way. way. Yeah, that'd be the that's the hub. Ah, uh, very good, very good, very good. Well, Russ, uh, that brings us to the end of the Not So Black and White Real Estate Podcast. Uh, a real pleasure. Um, I I know when we've had the opportunity to, you've come and spoken at some of my workshops in the past, and and I said it then, I'll say it again. Uh, listening to uh, your guidance many, many, many years ago has certainly set the stage for my family's life and it changed our trajectory. So again, publicly, thank you for that. And uh, I know that I'm not the only story like that out there. So thank you for that, for sure. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. And, and you know, what you guys are doing here is you're inspiring the next, Jer- the next Gary's and the next Collins, the next generation of people. And I just wanted to just, you know, guys, if I had a hat on, I would do a tip of the hat. But why don't we just do a little salute? And I just <laughs> wanted to salute you guys for all the work and hard work you guys put into these. It, it's This isn't easy what you guys are doing and you make it look so seamless and you got the, the lower thirds and you got graphics and you got big voiceovers and you guys are just, Gary, I, I made the joke before we started all those years of us being in the president of the AV club and having no dates on Friday night. It's starting to pay off, isn't it? So finally, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 30 some odd years later, <laughs> uh, I just, I just, I, I didn't mean to make a joke. I just did want to reverse that gratitude and you guys are doing a great, a, a wonderful job and just keep going please. We need more. Appreciate it. We need thank more. You. Yeah. Thank you. As always. Thank you. So uh, f- of course, for russellwestcott.com, uh, that's how you can find it. Certainly reach out to Russ there. Thanks for being with us uh, this afternoon, Russ. today's conversation and today's podcast like i like i shared in the very opening context was i challenged myself to keep it simple i challenged myself because sometimes making something complex and taking it down to the most simplistic simplified version of something is actually more work and more difficult than taking something and make it extremely complicated now here's the thing 
guys, we're all real estate investors and we could probably talk until the cows come home and talk to her blue in the face about all the wonderful things we learn about real estate. But sometimes when you're having those conversations with other people, you get the deer in the headlight look. You know the look I'm talking about when you're sitting there and you're starting to go on and on about zoning and frontage and variance exceptions and, you know, um, tenancy laws and financing and variables and fixed rates and all these kind of things that you can just go off into so many different tangents. And all of a sudden that person that's looking across from kneecap to keep kneecap, they're looking at you going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and honest to goodness, it's like, um, they're starting to get, you know, the old Charlie Brown teacher syndrome. Wah, Right. And that's what they start to, to have that deer in the headlight or we call that Charlie Brown teacher syndrome. But here's the thing. Keep your message simple. Keep your message tight. Keep your message understandable. And most importantly, transformational and actionable. That's the key thing. Now, speaking of actionable and a quick Side note here before we run off, guys, um, many of you have probably me heard me talk about the Raising Capital Academy within this podcast numerous times. I just want to give you a quick heads up. The um, Raising Capital Academy, the way it's been priced is um, up to this point, I've been doing it as a lifetime access. You get lifetime access to it, one price, lifetime access to all the resources, all the videos, all the audios all the checklists, all the spreadsheets, all the presentation templates, all the all the um, downloadable sales tactic, negotiation tactics, all the presentations, everything in there, you get access to everything, including everything new that I add when I add a new webinar. I added an entire section on using RSP funds. I had an entire section on using private lending. I added an entire section on protecting yourself from uh, securities regulations. All those things were just recently added and anybody who had lifetime access got that for free. There was no monthly subscription. There was no yearly renewal. And I've been told with the depth of the marketing and sales training and time management and goal setting and um, checklists on how to buy properties, how to analyze deals, all the analyzers, flip analyzers, buy and hold analyze. I've been told that I probably could charge $5,000 or more for the depth that you have access to. Okay. But I don't, we don't charge 5,000. It's a one-time fee and it's a lifetime fee. So here's the message. That pricing model is going away. This is late fall. It's fall 2021. I'm going to be offering one more one more chance for people to get in and have a lifetime access to it. A lot of you I've had conversations with one-on-one and I've had personal conversations and you've seen what it's all about. I'm telling you right now, I don't have the exact date, but the pricing model will be changing. First of all, the price will be going up. And then the next is it probably will be turning in to a subscription-based model where it's a yearly subscription or even a monthly-based user subscription. And after all that, I just said, I'm also going to be starting to do more uh, webinars again. There's going to be weekly um, open office sessions. There's an entire new level of support and resources and guidance to help you move forward with this wonderful game of real estate investing. So wherever you are listening to this podcast, in the link 
below in the show notes. There will be a link to get access to information about the Raising Capital Academy. It still is by application only, um, but stay tuned. I will be making an announcement for when the last time we will shut the doors down for the lifetime um, access to the program. And then the new model after that will come out very shortly after that. But we're probably going to close it down after that, probably for about four to six months. And then we'll open it up for enrollments probably once or twice a year, just to keep it really tight and keep the learning and the new people that come in and keep the engagement and the education very, very on point. Okay, gang, hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. And remember, remember, this is how we end every podcast. You know what's coming, ladies and gentlemen, and every interaction you have with another person, always, always, always leave them feeling inspired encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.